Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. What's the longest series we've ever done? Uh, quite frankly, it kind of doesn't really matter. But uh, certainly tonight is going to be about that. Called and chosen, because called and chosen is not a moment, it's a life. And so we know that sometimes... Even as a called person, as a chosen one, like Anna said before, sometimes you can go through deep, difficult or dark times. And tonight, if you want a title, it's When Was the Miracle? If you're following us at metrochurch.online, click on the notes tab. All the scriptures are there for you. I've timed this out. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture. And I know sometimes nowadays the trend is you don't read much. You just give one verse. But I timed this out. It's one minute and 40 of reading the Bible. And I just happen to believe that one minute and 40 reading the Bible is actually valuable time. Many people, they don't read much of the Word of God anymore. And all they're getting is topical kind of preaching. I think there's value in in letting the Word of God speak to our life. John 2 verse 1 On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. But Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, great advice, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim and he said to them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to them, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. When the guests have well drunk, they bring out the inferior, the cheap stuff. But you've kept the good or the best wine until now. This beginning of signs... Jesus did in Cain of Galilee. Aren't you glad it doesn't say this only sign or this end of sign? But it was only the beginning of what he would do and keep on doing. And manifesting his glory, every miracle is a manifestation of the glory of God. And his disciples believed in him. Let's click over to John 9. Just one more story because I'm going to speak to you about when was the miracle. John 9 verse 1, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, because this was a part of their culture, that if something bad happened to you, if you were born with something deficient or deformed in your life, it was the result of either your sin or the parents. So they asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, 
I am the light of the world. Oh, I'd love to stop there a minute because he tells the disciples in Matthew 5, by the way, you're now the light of the world. So he was the light of the world while he was in the world. Even once he left the world, his light remained and continues to this day. When he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with his saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is a word that means sent. And so he went and washed and came back seen. Both of these stories are undeniable miracles. But I want to ask you the question. I want you to think about it because it really has got impact and relevance to your life and mine. Let me ask you, when was the miracle? At which point in this story was the miracle of transformation of the water? Was the miracle of this man's healing? Which part of it? Where along the journey? Which bucket of water in the 681 litres of water that these 180 gallons represent? Which bucket of water that a servant carried was the one that made all the difference. If you check on a map, you'll see that this man was at the opening, at the entrance to the temple. And the Pool of Siloam is about a thousand metres. And it's a, I've been to the Temple Mount. And the ground around there is quite hilly. It's not just a paved, beautiful footpath. But this man has to walk around about a thousand metres to this Pool of Siloam. So which one of the steps was the step that was most important? See, I think most people think that all miracles are instant, that all miracles are sovereign. In other words, it's just God that makes them happen and that they are all spontaneous. That somehow or other a miracle is just such a divine intervention that really we are nothing more than merciful recipients and onlookers to what God is doing. But I believe there's a lot more to miracles than that. Firstly, let me say to you tonight that miracles are a partnership. Miracles are more than just simply God at work in someone's life. You have got a part to play in every miracle. What God is wanting to do means that what you do really matters. See, somebody had to fill the pots. There's no water turned into wine. If the servants go, you've got to be kidding. That'll never work. Don't be silly. How could such a thing be? Or if they go, no way. Or if, if Jesus had said, I'm not going to touch it. No, everyone had a part to play in filling those pots to the room. The man had to walk that nearly 1,000 metres to the pool of Siloam. If he walks five or he walks ten or he doesn't walk at all, he goes, how do you expect a blind man to walk on this uneven ground? How do you expect a blind man to find his way? I don't have anyone to help. How do you expect me to get there? See, these people matter. I really want you to get this because I believe God wants to do enormous miracles over all of the earth right now. I believe with all my heart, I don't believe we're in a holding pattern, waiting for COVID to end, waiting for somehow or other life to return to normal. I believe that right now the Holy Spirit wants to do enormous miracles, wants to do extraordinary things, wants to let loose the supernatural. But you know, miracles are a part 
partnership. And as long as we believe that they are spontaneous or as long as we believe that they are just God at work or that they're instant, uh, if we're waiting for all of that, then we will never see the miracles just like they never would have seen the water turned into wine or the man would never would have been healed from his blindness. Miracles require us to be a part. I didn't say you've got to produce them. I didn't say that it's up to you, but I am saying that you get to be a part of it. You know, when we celebrate things that are miracles in our world here. And I'm not just talking about miracles of healing, though. You know, I was telling a friend of mine over East, I said, you know, in the last couple of months, two women in our church that were told they'd never have kids. And they're both pregnant. And I said, what an amazing miracle. There's a man sitting in the service here tonight who only a matter of a bunch of weeks ago had such a terrible uh, calamity, such an accident that literally maybe one day he'll tell the story, I don't know. But, you know, I look at that and I go, it was an undeniable miracle of God. What an incredible thing. But, you know, in every one of those, I want you to be ready and say to God, God, I'm up for this. I really do. I want you to say, God, I'm up for this. God, I'm, I'm willing to be a part of what you want to do. Second thing is that miracles are a process. You know, with three pots full, they're halfway to a miracle. This, there's a lot of things in Scripture that really kind of puzzle me. Oh, they're not puzzle me. They don't puzzle me, but they astound me. It astounds me that God gives me the privilege of partnership with Him and that whether it happens or not in some ways depends on how I respond. Miracles are a process. Three pots are full, but there's no miracle yet. Why six? Hello, 180 gallons, 681 litres of wine. Who needs that much wine? How about just giving us a Jeroboam? I'm pretty sure that's one of the things. You know, how about, how about a carafe? How about, I don't know, whatever. Uh, you, you know, 681 litres? But again, what is it about God that He so loves doing more than what you think? That He so much loves going extraordinarily beyond whatever. I said it this morning, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto Him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. We've really got to shift our thinking and we've got to change our mindset from this whole idea that God basically just wants to get you through, get you there, get you to heaven with at least amount of fuss as possible. But miracles are a process. And I want to say to you now, however far along the way, because some of you here that are a part of this service, you've been praying for a miracle and you're still filling up the pot. You're still filling up and you're going, God, how come there's nothing yet? You know, you get a little splash and a bit of a taste in. You know, how many of those servants, just as they're filling the bucket up and putting it in? Nope, still water. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus did that tonight? I don't drink, but I'll tell you what, if he does that right now, I'm going to drink it just for... I'm just going to drink it to go, never tasted that before. Amen. Think about it, man. 
I really want you to get this. However far, have you started believing for a miracle in your life? That job or whatever or that loved one who's not walking with God? I don't know about you. I've got a whole lot of miracles under construction. Is that right? I've got a whole lot of miracles because I've heard people say, oh, I stopped following God because He didn't answer my prayer. I always say to them, what, just one? I've got about a thousand unanswered prayers. Amen. And some of them week by week and day by day, I get before God and I feel like He says to me, don't stop halfway to your miracle. Miracles are a process. Here's number three. Miracles require persistence. That one I'm not going to spend much time on because everybody knows that, don't I? The woman's got to press through the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus. The disciples say, be quiet, he's busy. And the Bible says he cried out even more. Uh, every miracle I know of in the Bible required somebody to press through. You know, when they're going to cross over the Red Sea or when they're going to cross over the Jordan, they were difficult times. Somebody had to go and say, when they walked around Jericho, they walked around seven times and on the seventh day they walked around seven times. That's a lot of walking around a town just quietly. Why no one? Have you ever wondered, why doesn't God, why doesn't God do stuff instantly? Now he, I've seen Him do some stuff. But I think one of the reasons is because He wants us to be a part of it. And He wants to build something in us as we see this miracle come to pass. They require persistence. Here's number four. Miracles require personal faith. They're not luck. They're not God likes you more than He likes someone else. I always read these scriptures and these stories and I wonder how many weddings there were that night. That never got water turned into one. They just ran out. They started serving Coke Zero. I was wondering with a man who's born blind, how many people were there that never ever were willing to say, What about me? God, I'm believing for this. Oh, if I could get you in your heart to say, You know what? If it's not about works, it has to be about grace. And if it's about grace, it can happen to me. Come on. I really want, come on. I don't know what reason, what construct the enemy builds into people's minds that gets them convinced that for some reason, everybody else can get it but then. Everybody else can have it. Everybody else can see their answer come. I don't believe it can or... They don't believe it can happen for them. Well, they had it too long. Without Mary's persistence, there is no miracle at all. You see, Mary's got a personal revelation. She's been waiting on this for 30 years. Because the angel, when, before she's even pregnant, the angel says to her, you're going to bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save. And so she's been thinking about this for 30 years, waiting for him to do something. And he's there and, you know, she's not even going to, to, to do much about it. But when she hears the thing, she goes to him and says, come on, now's your moment. And she pushes him. She has a personal faith, even though his initial response is, not me, not now. 
She goes, no, you don't understand. I've got a revelation. Are you with me? You know? oh, look, I've been preaching like this for all my life, I'm pretty sure. All my Christian life. But I'm never tired of it yet because I always feel so energetic like there's a miracle there and I want to jump into it. Amen. I don't want to just kind of sit back and go, oh, well, yeah, well, uh, we'll just hang on. We'll just wait because, well, you know, one day we'll just die. And Jesus will take us to heaven and it'll all be over. Thank God it'll be over. I don't want to do that. I, I feel like, yeah, but what if we could do something great now in Jesus' name? What if we could get a revelation that said, now's the moment, now's the time. You go, don't be ridiculous, Jeff. Don't you know what the world's like right now and all the pressure? I go, yeah, well, go tell God. Go tell God it sits on the throne of heaven. Go tell God that now's the wrong time, it's the wrong place, there's too much other stuff going on. Miracles require personal faith. And that just comes out of Revelation. Here's number five. Miracles require a different perspective. I want you to have a look at verse 2 again, if you've got it there. John 2, verse 2. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Do you know everybody else looks around at the wedding and they go, there's the mother of the bride. There's the father of the bride busily working on his speech. He's got to make it a minute. There's the mother of the groom weeping at the loss of her boy. My boy. This, there's the father of the, of the groom. He's already given him all of his advice. <laughs> oh, there's so many places I can go with this, but I'm just saying, no, stay away. They've got all that. and Then there's the uncles and the aunts. All the cars are there. There's the neighbour, there's the bank manager they hope will give a loan for the building of the house. They've invited all these people to this guest list. And sprinkled in the guest list is Mary, who must have been a friend of the bride and groom's family. And they've said, tell your son to come. And by the way, he can bring his tribe, his group. And so... Jesus and these 12 disciples are sitting there and they just had the entree. They just had the mains. It was duck la range. And it was just lovely. And they've had all of that stuff there. And dessert is about to be served. And they're going to do the toast. And all of a sudden, they go, oh, no, we didn't order enough wine. It's all gone. And everybody else looks around. And goes, is there a wine merchant? Is there anybody here that owns a bottle shop? See, they've got a perspective of the guests. Only one person has got a different perspective, and that's Mary. She says, I know you came as a guest, but this is your moment to show who you really are. They saw a guest. She saw a saviour. Let me ask you, how are you perceiving Jesus right now in the middle of whatever you're in? So many Christians only see the comforter. The Lord who's come to just, you know, it'll be okay, to soothe. They don't see the deliverer, the one who says, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to make a difference. 
Number six, last one here. Miracles are all based on a promise. Mary's got a promise. He will save. And she's expecting supernatural happenings from this son of hers. She's expecting more than... I, I, I love Mary and I love the faith that this woman had who takes him up. You know, remember the day when he's 12 and he's up in the temple and they lose him? They can't find him. It must have been pretty distressing to think to yourself, uh-oh, we've lost the Messiah. I know that if I'd been the Lord, I would have sent down the Archangel Gabriel right at that point. I would say, just go and ask him how he's doing. And then before you finish, say, by the way, can I just have a chat to him? And they would have gone, well, yeah, he's here somewhere. And see, Mary, the Bible says she put all these things inside her heart. She spent 30 years thinking about who it is she's raised. That's why she's at the cross when Jesus is crucified. That's why this woman's in the upper room. Specifically named, she's there when the Holy Spirit falls. Why? Because see, Mary's never been just raising a child. She's aware that what she carried in her womb was not just the, the mystical Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. She realises she's been carrying the supernatural saviour in her womb. She's been raising him. And so every day she spent it on, why, why does God wait until he turns 30 to launch his ministry? All I know is this, is that Mary spent every day going, today might be the day. And so when they're at that wedding in Cana of Galilee and the pressure comes on, she immediately knows, and think about this, for some of you that have grown up in denominations or in churches where they've told you that God only wants to get you to heaven, that God wants you to have enough. I think it's so amazing that the very first miracle that Jesus ever does is a miracle of provision. It's got nothing to do with healing someone who's going to die. It's got nothing to do with saving someone who's tormented like the Gadarene demoniac. Hello, folks, it's wine. They could have just drunk water and been fine. God doesn't want to give you enough. Listen to me. God doesn't want to listen to me. God doesn't want to give you just enough. Don't sell God short. Don't, don't believe the false theology, the 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 half-truth that says God just wants to get you to heaven. Now he does, because there's no better and no more wonderful thing than that you will die and go to heaven that Jesus will return and you'll be caught up with him. There's nothing greater than that. But don't believe that that's all that there is to the gospel. Jesus is there and Mary's got a promise. There are 10 commandments in the Bible, but there are thousands of promises. Miracles are a partnership and they're a process and they'll take persistence and personal faith but they require a different perspective and that we have attached our life to the promises of God. You say, oh, Jeff, I, I tried my best to believe and, and that one didn't work out. I go, well, all faith is a journey and all faith is growing. 
there's a lot of things that are going to strengthen you. You know, when you go to the gym and you don't lift that big weight, you don't say, well, I'm never going to the gym again. Isn't that right? You just say, I'll start a bit lower and work my way up. Amen. That's what you do. Until one day you walk out of that gym and that weight you couldn't lift, now you can. There are some things I couldn't believe for once, but now I can. Are you willing to go on a journey with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and say, God, I'm going to let you build this supernatural faith in my life? I pray we'll never be a church and we'll never be a bunch of people who just will settle for, you know, the fact that we are okay. And that's too bad. If you'd ask me, Jeff, do you have faith for the whole world? I go, no, but God does. I have faith for the Saviour, who's the Saviour of the entire world. I want to challenge you tonight to when was the miracle? Go on the journey. Don't stop halfway. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word to us, which every time God stretches us out of what would be comfortable. It's so easy, Lord, just to accept what is as though that's what it's meant to be. Yet, Lord, you turn up in places all the time and go, let me show you how different it can be. Lord, some of these people tonight in this service, in the building or online, some of them, Lord, are halfway through a miracle. They're tempted to give up on that thousand steps to the pool of Siloam. They're tired of lifting the bucket to fill up those big stone water pots. Oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to say, Jesus, I'm going to keep doing what you've asked me to do. I'm going to keep pressing on and seeing what you have for my life. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray for anyone that's a part of this service and there will be people like this that have never encountered Jesus. Some of them, this will be the first time they've ever heard Jesus spoken about like this. Some it'll be the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. But however long it is, Jesus, I know that right now you're speaking to them and saying you can be saved. Doesn't matter how bad you are. Doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how far from God you feel. Jesus is as close as your yes. Come follow me, I hear him say. Come follow me. And he's calling people out of all the earth. He's calling people out of worlds in upheaval. You know that what that means is so many people right now are thinking about God and they're thinking about what God can do like never before. And there you and I are in the midst. We say yes to Jesus. Lord, I pray for those people. I pray for them, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, about, I think it's two and a half, three years ago, we came up with this. Well, I say we came up with it, but I, like a lot of these things, I'd have to say, I think it was the Holy Spirit really dropped an idea into our heart. I don't say that to be falsely 
you know, humble. I just think that's where it came from. The idea that we wanted to make it easy for people to follow Christ and then not only to follow Him, but to be discipled from that point on. Because we understand that a lot of times people have just said yes and there's been nothing after that for them. So we came up with this thing called Yes Text. You go to, if you're in Australia, it's 0488. Saturday out is just 0488 826392. You can text YES to that number in Australia and the very next day or after that, 7 a.m. Western Standard Time, because it comes from our church, you understand. We would send you a, a Bible verse and a prayer, different every day for 30 days. And you get it every day if it's on one screen of your smartphone. And it would help you, help you to hear God and help you to be able to talk to God. And that's been such an amazing thing. Hundreds of people all around the world. I've heard of people in remote communities in northern Western Australia who sent in a yes text. Often they come in at the weirdest hours. 3 a.m. I think last week, something like that. 2 a.m. in the morning. Sometimes they're during a service. If you're on metrochurch.online right now, the yes button's there. and You just tap on the yes button. It'll take you. We're not after all your details because we're not trying to pester you. We're not adding you to a mailing list. We don't do that. What we do is send you the next day the Bible verse and the prayer for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. But in the whole time, in the two, two years, is it three? I can't remember. However long we've been doing, you know, the whole time only two people have ever opted out. Why? Because it's there to help. Your yes is the start of what comes next. And I don't know about anybody else here, but I'm so glad. I'm, I'm glad for the person who every day, literally there was a girl called Alita Poppy. I rang her every day. She worked for a Christian bookstore. I rang her every single day for at least a month. And I go, I just read this in the Bible. What does that mean? When I prayed, what do I think of here? What am I supposed to do? And I did all that every single day. And she never once said, gee, you're a pest. I'm here today because somebody every day helped me. That's what this is about. If you want it via email, then you go to Metro Church. Yes.metrochurch.org.au. We'd love to be a part of that. Father, help them. Help them to say yes to you. This is our joy, Jesus. Because one day we're going to stand in heaven and we'll see you on the throne and you'll open up the book of life, the Lamb's book. There'll be names written in there. We'll go, who's that? Lord, those people say, I said, yes, my life got changed. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for the privilege we have of being your arms, your feet, your voice, your heart for people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a joy. What a joy it is. I don't know about the rest of you. I still... I am overwhelmed with God's goodness that He allows us to be a part of what He does. This church is so full of faithful people. It really is. Faithful people, everything here. You know, if you were in the green room uh, beforehand and see how many people are a part of putting on a service, you'd be amazed at it, at the faithfulness of the people of God. Amen. The only reason they do it, really, the reason I do it is because Jesus saved them. That's why. Come on, we're going to stand together. We're going to worship the Lord. Soup's going to be out there in a minute. But before we go to such...
you know, you know, very natural things like soup. Oh, well, let me tell you what the four of them are. There's sop bun tut. Is that what that's called? You better say, have you got your mic? How is it? Because you made it. Sop bun tut. Better sound, please. Sop bun tut. Sop bun tut. I'm almost half Indonesian, I think. Do you think I'd blend in? Yes, you can. <laughs> it's, uh, what is it again? Um, it's Indonesian oxtail soup. Woo-hoo. So there's a whole lot of oxen in Indonesia that basically have no tails anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, um, Deb Schofield and uh, Ash, they're here. And uh, potato leek and cauliflower. Now, I should have told you who made what, should I? Oh, too bad. Vote for them all. Uh, broccoli, pea mint and leek. Obviously, there's a lot of leeks growing up there in the Schofield house. And lamb shank and veggie as well. Go out there, enjoy them, vote for them. But Ben Parade, you are worthy of it all. Come on. in most of the morning services since we're allowed to now and that is if you like prayer oh we want to pray with you we want to ask God for the miracle to get started in your life if you like prayer then all you got to do the team are going to sing the song again all you got to do is lift your hand up in the air someone will come and stand beside you and they'll start praying don't think to yourself well you know I've had it I can put up with it why don't ask God to heal you why not ask God to give you that job? Why not ask God to solve that circumstance with that loved one? In Jesus' name. Just lift your hands, hands up there. Wherever you are, if you need prayer, come on. Let's believe God together in Jesus' name. You are worthy, Lord. Come on. And to you are for you deserve the glory. Yeah. 
Amen. We certainly give it to him. He deserves all the glory. How awesome is that? Hey, God bless you. Thank you for bringing your faith and your love for God in every service. Thank you for worshiping God in an awesome way.